Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. You are listening to episode number 62 of the Awesomers.com podcast. And our tradition is just go to Awesomers.com slash 62 to find links to any of the relevant details or things that we discussed here in the episode, as well as a full transcript and things like that make uh, your life a little easier. So today my special guest is Joe Lynch, and he is a great guy and certainly an absolute kingpin of logistics, a really, really experienced guy. And we're going to talk a little bit about his origin story and where he came from and and how he built this very specialized skill of logistics. Now, he owns a company called The The Logistics of Logistics, which includes a podcast, blog, and other service offerings. And The Logistics of Logistics has been around as a blog and a business for over 10 years. And that's a a ton of time in this dynamic environment and dynamic space. Plus, he's built a following on LinkedIn, uh, a group with over 100,000 followers and and, uh, participants. So it's a very niche, specialized area of logistics, yet it's such a massive, massive area as well. So a very interesting uh, range of experience, and we're going to dive into that right now. Hello, Awesomers. It's me, Steve Simonson, and here we are again on the Awesomers.com podcast. And today, I have a very special guest, Joe Lynch. Joe, how are you? Very good, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Certainly my pleasure. Uh, logistics is uh, very near and dear to my heart, so I can't wait to dive into some of these things. And I've, I've already uh, in, given the audience kind of the, the top-line view of you. I've read your bio in and so forth at the top of the episode here. But I like in your own words, maybe you could just share kind of what you do today and where you live and so forth, uh, just kind of in your own words, sure. I didn't see who you are. Sure. I, uh, I live uh, in Michigan. I live in Livingston County, which is uh, uh, about an hour from Detroit and uh, about 30 minutes to Ann Arbor. And I bleed maize and blue. And um, I own the logistics of logistics. Uh, and what we do at the logistics of logistics is help companies that sell logistics, transportation, warehousing, the technologies, we help them sell more. Um, I also find myself uh, doing some consulting here and there, helping transportation and logistics companies do other things, but often working with shippers, helping them um, manage, select their three PLs. Nice. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a big business at this stage and, and has been for some time, but I think more and more people, even at the smaller levels, are getting exposed to the idea of a three PL or you know, getting uh, tight with your international logistics, you know, ocean freight and what have you. 
Uh, do you see this uh, a big growth kind of uh, phase in the last few years, especially related to e-commerce? Yep, I see a lot uh, with e-commerce and I see the whole industry uh, being forced to grow up. We have this global supply chain that's demanding more. And, and I will say this, I'm from automotive and um, you know, automotive was always one of the big spenders in logistics and transportation. And um, I did a lot of consulting, a lot of that kind of work. And when I moved into pure logistics and transportation, um, I was a little surprised. I felt like, wow, what a backwards place. And over the last 10 years though, there's been um, an explosion of growth. I mean, we'll see, we're seeing a lot of consolidation where the big players are buying up the smaller players. Sophistication has just gotten a lot more. I, I, I won't mention their names, but one of the larger logistics companies I work with, uh, publicly traded, they are they engage like McKinsey. They are top notch. Uh, I, I can't say enough about the best of the best in this business. Well, and there is a uh, a large and growing difference when it comes to you know the the deployment of technologies or the ability to kind of uh, I suppose react with what's changing, what's dynamic out there in the marketplace while trying to stay competitive. Right there, it's a pretty pretty crazy uh, world that we live in at times. So it's it's nice that you are able to bring order from chaos. Uh, and, and tell us about the logistics of logistics podcast just a little bit before we dive into your background. Yep. So I've, I've been a blogger for like 10 years and um, <laughs> that is a painful business. I, I love it when I, it's like going to the gym and having a horribly difficult workout. I'm always happy when it's done and you see, wow, what a sense of accomplishment. Some people might respond to it, say that was great. But it's painful to actually sit down and write articles, and I do still do it. Um, and then oh, my buddy George Muha, another fellow blogger from way back, said to me, I don't know, like a year ago, oh, I'm blogging now. I don't do, do that. And I thought, you know, I do a lot of webinars, training webinars. I was like, I'll just do some training webinars. And then he said, you got to start the podcast. So I did. <laughs> now I think I've done like eight. I have a few in the in the post-production. So I've really enjoyed it. And I will say the big difference for me is blogging is something I do late night in my office or in my home or uh, maybe at a coffee shop, even a pizza place I go to. And it's painful and it's solitary. Um, the podcast, what's cool about it, uh, like this, I meet you today. Um, I'm meeting new people and I'm learning about their business. And what I tend to do is I want to talk to innovators, entrepreneurs, the guys who are changing the logistics business. So I feel like it's not only is it social, but I'm learning a lot. So I've, I've loved it. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, I, I, like you, have uh, blogged, uh, you know, over the course of years. In fact, you know, probably some of my blogging went back to really the, the late 90s. Um, wow. Although I've taken uh, a happy respite uh, for the last couple of years on it. But the, the reality is generating content, particularly blogs, uh, can be very difficult and time consuming, although the accomplishment or the feeling you get is great. But um, it, it is different, a, a podcast, because we get to learn and we get to engage and ha you know, have conversations that are top of mind, their flow of consciousness, right? So when, when you say something that is intriguing, I can dive deeper on that and vice versa. So it's a, it, it is interesting and different. Um, uh, I've noticed, uh, as I recall, that uh, on LinkedIn, your company, uh, logistics of logistics uh, has a hundred thousand LinkedIn followers. Is that right? 
it, it's a group I have. I own the Logistics of Logistics wow. group and it has 100,000 people. And, and that started just because I had a blog and I wanted to share content. And this goes back like 10 years where I'd say, I would post something and I don't know, for whatever reason, people would block me from posting in their group. And I don't know, I'm thinking, I don't write anything that's super salesy. I don't write anything that's, I hope it's not that poorly. I think it's good quality and I don't think it's salesy or boring or any of that. And it started driving me crazy. So I said, I'm just going to start my own group. And I think it just grew because uh, the name's a little different, the logistics of logistics. By the way, my good friend, Ann Holm, who I work with, all, 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 she's my executive coach. She um, She's the one who came up with the name. And it's yeah, it's just different enough that people catch up, you know, say, what the hell is that? So It's catchy it's for like sure. Yeah. So that, that's been a great asset to me. And I, you know, and, and I'm kind of at this point kind of feel like it's a responsibility for me to try and share decent content in there and keep it from being, you know, garbage posts in there. Well, the good news is even if you do make a garbage post or salesy or a hard pitch, it's your group. You can't kick yourself out or you're unlikely to. So right. <laughs> uh, no, that's good stuff. So I, I, I have to say that about my businesses. I sometimes yeah. cut my pay, but I never fire myself. Not yet anyway. Oh boy. When you get there, it's very freeing. I fire myself regularly and uh, that jerk I work for is a real pain anyway. So I deal with it. Um, all right. So we're going to dive uh, right after the break, kind of where you came from and uh, learn a little bit more about the context behind you know your journey. And we're going to do that right after this break. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals, congratulations on your success to date. Your creativity, strategic vision, problem solving, and discipline have allowed you to build your own e-commerce business. Wouldn't it be great if you had more time to focus on the things that truly drive the sales and growth of your company? Instead of getting lost in a dozen different services and countless spreadsheets, what if there was one system that connected to your Amazon account and automatically gave you the information that you needed to make great decisions and really impact your business? Parsimony ERP can do that. Parsimony is the business operating system for your marketplace business. With Parsimony, you get true double entry bookkeeping, easy financial statements, full customer service tools, and item by item profitability, along with project and task management, and more features are being added all the time. Learn more at parsimony.com. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com. Parsimony.com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, here we are back again, everybody. Steve Simonson joined today by Joe Lynch. And I have to do the, the proverbial check-in. Did I get your name right, Joe? Yeah, it's Joe Lynch. Okay, so uh, often I mispronounce guest names. This one, I have to say, was uh, should be right in my, my wheelhouse. So uh, I'm glad I got it right. Thank you for that. And uh, for the awesomers out there keeping score, this is a win for me. So put that <laughs> down because uh, it's not often like that. Uh, so, Joe, one of the things that I love about you know, entrepreneurs and, and learning about awesomers around the world is just figuring out where they came from. So let's start at the very origin of your origin, which is when you were born and where. Uh, actually, where is really more important yep, to me. Yep. Where was that? Yep. I was born in Dearborn, Michigan, right outside Detroit. It's the home of Ford Motor Company and um, kind of, um, uh, it's a it, it's to some extent still is a company town. And I mean, Ford is a very benevolent uh uh, uh, owner. So they, they took such good care of, and still do of Dearborn Ford land developments, one of the largest land development companies in the world. Great place to grow up. Everybody had to, I swear, I felt like it was an obligation to play hockey and football and baseball and swim. So it was a fantastic uh, place to live. That's amazing. 
you're probably pretty, uh, it's almost like uh, you're, it's like, hey, you're born in Dearborn, you're going to the auto business. Uh, <laughs> certainly at that at a time, it was probably the biggest tractor beam pulling people in. Is that fair to say? Yeah, for sure. My parents' generation, my parents, were, my dad, uh, mom, both um, moved to Dearborn as kids and they both, um, and then like so many of my people who are like my age and my, my 50s, our parents worked in at Ford or General Motors. It was very much, and my mom's dad's graduating class from high school. Most of them stayed in Dearborn because um, that's they weren't to work for Ford. In fact, my dad always tells the story when he was a kid, they'd be playing baseball, and he says Henry Ford, who was old then, would ride by on his bike, no bodyguards, no nothing, and say, "When are you boys going to come work for me?" <laughs> and say, "Well, when we graduate." And he said, "We didn't give it any thought to it that some you know." Henry Ford just rode by on his bike and offered us a job. Amazing. Boy, look at that. He was recruiting even uh, in the twilight years. I love that. That's good stuff. <laughs> um, so obviously your parents were working at Ford. Um, how about any siblings? I have one sister. She's 18 months younger than me. And did she end up in an entrepreneurial uh, type of world or uh, automotive or uh, what's her she, um She worked for a long time in automotive. She married, uh, let's see, a little later in life at 40. Uh, and her and her husband uh, are expats. They live, they lived in China for seven years. He works for Ford. So um, he had a very good job in China. Then they moved to Brazil for three, then to Mexico for three. And now they're back uh, there in South Africa for three more years. So they have seen the world and uh, made a lot of cars. <laughs> wow, what an exciting uh, way to move around and uh, uh, experience the, the world. Fascinating stuff. Uh, how about university? Did you uh, go to university? I went one year, I went away to a school called Northwood University. It was Northwood Institute back then. It was the only automotive marketing school in the world. And it was based, it still is based in Midland, Michigan, a few hours from Detroit, where I grew up, and Dearborn, where I grew up. I went there for one year. Then I came home. My dad had started an engineering business. I came home after my first year and went to work for my dad. And uh, and then I continued going to school at night. I got my undergrad and my master's at night school. So I got my undergrad at a school called Cleary, uh, where I'm still very closely affiliated with. And um, then I got my master's at University of Michigan. Nice. That sounds exciting. It was probably a precarious at that. The first uh, year that you were away, the parents are like, yeah, my son's at the Institute. They probably had to clarify very quickly. Oh, that's the, it's a technical college or whatever it was. Yeah. It's, it was based, it still is based in Midland, Michigan, which is where Dow Chemical is, which the claim to fame is the, the highest per capita number of PhDs in the world. And, and I always say it's, it's just that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I'm actually quite surprised by that. That's uh, quite a number. I, I know Dow would have a, a massive, you know, um, yeah. science community and so forth. But uh, in the world of China and India and so forth, with you know doctors uh, or doctorates, uh, you know, falling and growing like leaves, uh, leaves on trees. It's it's amazing. Yeah, last. <laughs> yeah, last. yeah, that's crazy. Uh, now let's uh, talk about this. Uh, after university, you talked about kind of your first uh, job with your dad's engineering firm, which sounds kind of entrepreneurial in its own right. Uh, was there ever a time that you worked for, for somebody else? Uh, you know, like what was your first proper job? Well, I worked for my dad for uh, six, seven years. And during the time uh, when we were doing automotive engineering design, that was kind of pre-CAD systems. I'm dating myself. And um, as 
when my dad would have projects, I'd work there. When he didn't, I would go down the street and work for one of our competitors. And um, I did that for seven years. My dad had a heart attack and I am running the business for a few years. That's when my hair started going gray. <laughs> now it's all the way gray. But um, uh, that was very entrepreneurial. It was a family business. I, 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 was, um, I was expecting that would be where I worked the rest of my life. I thought I'd take that over. Um, but I did work probably, um, you know, three or four different engineering firms during that six or seven years for, you know, six months here, six months there. And so um, the, the nature of uh, engineering design then, drafting, whatever you wanted to call it, was it paid a lot of money and you worked a million hours and it was project-based. So we would move to, from job shop to job shop. They called us jobbies. And people would quit at the drop of a hat for 50 cents an hour. And we always worked 56 hours a week, time and a half for overtime. And uh, we made great money. It was boring, boring work, not for me, but uh, I did it. <laughs> wow, you probably got pretty good at it over that length of time. No, no I did not. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I, I digress. Uh, you probably were uh, not getting better. I was, I was always, always well-dressed. I had a good attitude. I'd make all my hours. And it was the industry was a little dirty then. And uh, so people loved having me on their projects because I was the guy you put in the front row because he looks the part. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, <laughs> that's good stuff. So um, and now tell us about maybe from then to now, any defining moments that, that stand out in your mind? Yeah. So uh, after my dad's business closed, um, I, I continued going to school, working in, you know, as an engineering direct designer. And then I, the CAD systems came along and I was on the CAD systems and, then I was a, a manager of CAD designers, and then I, I became a, a product engineer. So um, I started working a lot, uh, you know, design release engineer, and then I ended up taking a job working with uh, Jeep. Spent a lot of time in China and uh, Thailand in the 90s. Wow, uh, early times. Yeah, it was. Well, I know you've spent a lot of some time there yourself, so I know you know it probably better than I ever will. But it was. It was incredible because automotive is a massive space so when you're working on projects and sometimes you'll hear somebody say oh my dad designed um the camaro you're like yeah you know what your dad might have designed a hubcap or bolts or it's there's so many people on product teams but then when i found myself in china uh, you know in my 30s it was it was really freeing because it was very entrepreneurial again because uh you're we were launching cars first car ever first american car launched in thailand i was the country manager it was fascinating stuff and i really loved it it kind of reminded me after years of kind of being um in my dad's business where it's entrepreneurial then you kind of be very corporate and then it was like woke me up to what i wanted again so that was some defining moments for sure i thought this is what i want i want to have a big role in big companies, sometimes you can sit in a cubicle and be relegated to something very small, and they'll pay you very good to do it. When you say, I spent uh, the last six months in a six-inch area of the car. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and uh, I could pay good money to do it, but I always knew I wanted to get back into something more entrepreneurial, and that really woke that up. So that was one of the defining moments. The automotive had its back and forth where we had some uh, – you know, difficult times. Those were all defining moments for everybody working on automotive because 
it's it's painful to go through and i was mostly domestic automakers yeah so tell me you know obviously that contrast from from being in the cubicle working on this little tiny piece of the car right you're, if you're a product manager you're just working as you described it, a six inch piece of the car to being the country manager and and you described it as uh, freeing in, in many ways but man oh man the the level of responsibility must have been extraordinarily different yeah it, it was it wasn't it wasn't and the reason i say it wasn't is because we're launching two thousand cars in thailand you got to go through all the same processes but i remember i talking to the vice president of chrysler at the time who's still a friend and saying hey we're launching and him kind of giving me the look like why would i care <laughs> like, i'm launching five hundred thousand units of this truck this year. And I remember I would get invited to these product team reviews and we would never get to discuss mine. Mine was very last on the list. And he'd say, you know, all the, all the time, thanks for coming. I'm sorry we didn't get to your stuff again. <laughs> but uh, but it, it was good because in a way you get a chance to fall down and uh, make your own way because you don't have the resources um, of thousands of people. It was dozens of us and it, when we had to wear lots of hats and it was great boy yeah that's but, interesting but the, but the good news is nobody cared <laughs> yeah yeah the, turns out that regardless of the level of responsibility nobody actually needed the, the, the those 2,000 units were a rounding error at the end of the day right right uh, fascinating stuff so uh, and how about as you you know kind of continued along that road did you find you know it, particularly maybe one of the downturns you could tell us about you know We've all been, or at least not all, but many of us experienced the housing downturn of 2008 or the dot-com downturn of oh, yeah. you know, 2000. And, and along the way, there's been some automotive uh, uh, cycles in there too. Can you describe one of those and, and what it was like to be inside the industry? Right. Well, I was working closely with Chrysler outside of Chrysler. Had a long relationship with Ford throughout the 80s and a lot 90s and the 2000s with Chrysler. And when the great meltdown happened, when Chrysler went bankrupt, I was I was doing value stream mapping, lean work at Chrysler, and um, enjoying it very much. But kind of a lot of us could feel uh, this: the end is coming, <laughs> and it did come. And I found myself unemployed, and I'd really never been unemployed for more than a week or two. I, I always felt like I got pulled along by guys I'd work with, and. When I lost my job then, as so many of us did, I remember thinking, this is it. I mean, there is nothing happening. I'm not going to be go, I will not go back to automotive for at least six months. And, and I thought, you know, I really did enjoy the value stream mapping. And what I learned about logistics at that time was how important it was becoming. Um, prior to that in my career, I was a supply chain guy, an engineer, and then a supply chain guy. And I, to some extent, didn't pay close attention to the logistics piece. Then I got an opportunity to go work with a small logistics company that needed a guy just like me. Um, they had done well, but had hit you know the, the downturn like everybody else. And I was able to work with the owner and closely. It was small. And we did great work. We tripled the size of the company in the five years I was there. I learned a ton. I like to think we made some good things happen. I sold a lot of stuff. And um, it was, I was back in a small business at that point. And that felt, uh, again, to start, that wasn't a lot of money, which was a shock. Because that's one thing I always say, that the problem with entrepreneurship for somebody who can make good money in corporate is 
<laughs> letting go of the good money. <laughs> so um, I, I really enjoyed that opportunity. It was, uh, we used to have it saying, or my saying anyway, that as we were growing and kind of turning that company around, uh, it was like you had to um, build a build a rowboat while you were drowning. And I kind of use that that same phrase for my own business now, which is, you know, so often you say, I'm just trying to keep my, I want to just stay alive. And yet I have to build a boat because otherwise I will continue to drown. So it was great. That again was a, one of those experiences that, you know, it's a gut check for sure. Well, those, you know, there's a reason why sink or swim is such a a famous idiom uh, in the world, right? Uh, You just got to make it happen. Uh, You know, and a lot of people don't realize, uh, I don't know if it's patent or you know one of these great general types uh you know say you know the the to win the war you must you know it's through logistics right you got to have the oh, yeah. the 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 food in the right place you got to have the bullets in the right place and so yep. th- this still applies to you know any business uh yeah logistics really uh, you know is the ultimate key to getting you know product from point A to point B is that what interested you in it what interested me, and I saw as an opportunity, I, I mentioned I went to school. I went to school in, um, I got my undergrad in business. My master's is in education geared towards consulting and training. Um, I worked as an engineer for many years, and then I worked inside an engineering organization for many years. Um, and as I was kind of looking, you know, one of the things that happened over the years is that we'd like to everybody who's working on these projects have an engineering degree. Didn't really matter what your experience was at that point. It was, we'd like you to have an engineering degree. So I felt limited within uh, that. And I, so I was, uh, and then people you go to purchasing. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not a purchasing guy. Go to manufacturing. I don't like to be in the manufacturing plant. So this was when I bumped into logistics, it was like, okay, I understand this business I've been doing. I've been touching it for a long time as a, as a shipper. And then when I made this switch into logistics, I, I, I really, I started as a blogging and I, um, I was running a little logistics company uh, with the owner and, uh, I, I learned, I learned the business and I will say it's not a super complex business. I call it, um, Simple, not easy. Like, <laughs> it's just like, hey, if you want to lose weight, just eat fewer calories. Oh, great. That's very simple, but not easy. <laughs> Same with logistics. So what interested me was the opportunity. Yeah, and- I can see that. Uh, you know, it's funny because we, we talk about this principle of simple, not easy uh, regularly, right? And many of the topics we discuss, whether it's, uh, you know, Facebook marketing or you know, make it building chat bots or, you know, any of the rest of it, the concepts themselves are not complex. You know, they're, they're, it's like simple. Yeah, I get it. Do this and, and, you know, hope that happens, but the execution is, is not easy. And logistics seems to me to be all about execution, right? It's really the, the, the pieces have to line up at the, at the right points. Is that kind of your view of the world that logistics is, you know, kind of making sure all the pieces uh, fit in together at the right time, at the right place? Yeah, there's there's a lot of that, and I will also say this: it's one of those places in in the world where there's no there's no um, lying about the results. So what, what I mean by that, when I was a draftsman or and then as an engineer, uh, you might say, Joe, I want those uh, I want the design complete, and I want you to send it to the to the uh, tooling group on Friday. 
well, I could send them on Sunday night, you know, because uh, I, I wanted to play with it over the weekend. And no one would really know because they weren't going to work on it. There's none of that in <laughs> in this business. You, you, you can't say, yeah, picked up uh, Friday morning, I think. You know, at, at some point, there's going to be a, a trail that says, no, picked up Saturday night. <laughs> and so um, what I've enjoyed is, is it's again, it's a, just more problem solving. It's getting into, I like, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, having good KPIs and being able to kind of start measuring where you're at right now and just make it better every week. And, you know, it's funny. I started my podcast the same way. I said, I'm going to start this without really knowing much. I'm going to, I'm going to wing it. And then I promise myself every podcast will get better. If you have that as a goal, uh, you know, in anything you're going to, you're going to succeed. That's very smart. Uh, I also took the um, we the terminology we use is we build the plane as we fly it, right? Because we're yep. probably crash <laughs> into the ground and burn. Uh, but we we take a, a similar approach. Although instead of every episode having to be better, it's like oh, we'll be better in the future. It's a little more uh, ethereal in our concepts. Right. Uh, yeah, I, sure. I, I, mine is probably more likely to be like you, your approach. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, before we kind of uh, dive a little bit more into logistics and, and help explain and break it down to folks, uh, was there ever a, a time that, you know, especially once you're in your own business, that you wanted to kind of give up and maybe just step back and go find an engineering cubicle and just kind of cut bait and go home? Um, yeah, you know, there was, there's definitely was those times where, you know, and I think one of the things that, um, you know, just kind of being aware of, I, I can always go back and be a, a, you know, director VP of some company, whether it's in automotive or logistics. Um, and, you know, I would say I had some of those moments, but you know what, there was, um, unfortunately I got divorced so I didn't have a wife to answer to that's a good part um, my kids when they got out of school I thought okay obligations are done there so it's just me so it's one thing to say I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, be a little I'm gonna have a little less money than I'm used to um, when it's your kids it's different when it's just me because I look and go hey look I'm a simple guy. <laughs> as long as you feed me every day and I can live indoors, I'll be happy. And um, so it, that, that's that's sometimes the challenge is you don't want to ever deprive your family. Depriving yourself, you kind of go, well, what do I care? Yeah, so, no, I understand. So, so that limited that limited those. So I was living cheaper than I, I you know. So I, I guess I still had those moments where you go, God, I'm working too hard for what I get. But, uh, you know, I've come to realize no matter what you do in life, there's headaches, there's problems. You go and you work corporate and you're sitting there dreaming of, I wish I was on my own. Yeah, I have a lot. I've, <laughs> I have a nice car and money and uh, uh, all that. And then you work on your own and you go, God, wouldn't it be nice not to have the responsibility, sit in some cubicle and have 10 guys answer to me. God, wouldn't life be easy? <laughs> and so it's, the grass is a little bit greener, maybe on the other side always, but um, I've come to realize there's headaches everywhere. You just want to pick the headaches. Well, and I think that is a defining characteristic of entrepreneurs in general, that we are fundamentally problem solvers. And I, I may sound like a broken record to the awesomers out there listening, but the reality is, you know, in any business, but in particular, I think with logistics, you know, we're, we have to solve the problems, even preemptively solve the problems in the case of logistics. And that's where we add our, the most value, right? If, if it, everything was just smooth as butter anyway, 
we, we're not really adding that much value. And I, I have to assume that part of the magic of what you bring to the, the clients that you are consulting with or dealing with uh, is helping them preempt problems that you've already seen and solved and make their life a little easier. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to say. I mean, I do a lot of sales training. That's the the, the bulk of it. I am doing some advising to uh, shippers still. Um, and I would say, having come from what I'll call the biggest, baddest supply chain on earth, automotive, um, you know, I think a lot of people look at that industry and think it's backwards um, and just gave away market share to uh, the Japanese and the European trans, um, transportation company. Uh, transplants but really is it's a it's a grinder and so i feel like um what i learned there was um is very applicable to what i'm doing now so i think i like to think that when i'm working with transportation logistics companies i also um can bring some of that what i learned in automotive but also since i was a blogger and i i, I have a big following that following i call one way to look at it is a sales platform when I first started working with transportation logistics companies on my own through the logistics of logistics, a lot of them were saying, just, I would like what you have. You have the ability to reach uh, t tens of thousands of people in any given month. And I was like, yeah, so you do that for me. So I, one of the things I'd done quite a bit of websites with my partners over at uh, Sun Ant Interactive for our clients. And it's, it's a grind because again, those guys want content, just like we talked about, not easy to create. You have to know something about what you're writing about. So that's, I think that there's, so there's two things I like to think I'm bringing my experience that came from being in a few different industries. And then also my experience as somebody who built a following in the space. I think that's probably pretty unique in, in your particular category, uh, especially, um, uh, and, and certainly something not just, you know, kudos to you for doing it should be admired, but also it's something actionable. And, and as, Apparently re replicatable. You're able to help other people kind of put that into place as well, huh? Just to some extent. And I will say um, my partner uh, at Sunant Interactive, they, they do websites for everybody. And they always say this industry is transportation, logistics, warehousing. They said they're by far the weakest website. So they come from really far behind. I think in a way they, they lagged a little bit on sales process too. And they're the, they're the, you know, pick up the phone and make a hundred phone calls a day and they hire, hire lots of guys. More and more, we're seeing more sophisticated approaches. Most of them don't do email marketing. Almost none of them will use um, marketing automation. Um, and so it, it's, it's still a little bit of a green field for um, marketing and salespeople who want to help like me. Isn't it ironic that, you know, the, the world of internet marketing and, and the e-commerce and, you know, this world needs like 3P logistics and needs to better understand transportation. Yet, you know, you flip it around to the other side and, and all of those guys who are really good at logistics and transport and shipping and so on, 3P, uh, they need, they need to the e-commerce knowledge, right? Somebody always has uh, something to help someone else. So it's a fascinating yeah, paradox. I also throw this out there is trucking and warehousing you think back 25 30 years ago those are kind of the the um least high-tech businesses you can imagine now warehousing you go into a modern warehouse it's unbelievable what's going on in there and and continue to grow same with trucking um the technology is taking off and there used to not even be 
three PLs. They were freight brokers. And now most of the freight brokers are becoming three PLs. Almost everyone I deal with now has transportation management systems. A lot of them use apps. I mean, it's, it's, it's growing in leaps and bounds and sophistication and technology. I love some of the uh, the advancements that have happened there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to have you think about the best day in your professional life so far. We're going to talk about tools. We're going to talk about some of those things that logistics uh, companies are using today to make the lives of customers better. But we're going to do it right after this break. Empower. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do, because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, we're back again, everybody. Steve Simonson uh, here on the Awesomers.com podcast, and I'm joined today by Joe Lynch, who is an expert in the world of supply chain, logistics, and, and so forth, and owns a company called Logistics of Logistics, or at least that's the name of the podcast. Is that also a company name as well? Yeah, The Logistics of Logistics is my podcast. It's also my website. It's my business. Nice. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I, I, I teased before the break is this idea of, you know, was there ever a day that you just looked around and said, this is a pretty doggone good day, and you want to take a victory lap, some accomplishment, some uh, achievement that you hit that you care to share with us? Yeah, Steve, I think you probably had some of these same moments. Uh, I've had a lot of good moments. There's oh, these those days, I think, you know, I thought, boy, when I cash a big check or when I, you know, money hits my account, you always think that's going to be like the day you remember forever. But um, it seems like the, the days that I like best is when, uh, when uh, I get feedback that's positive. Maybe I write a blog post or do a webinar or a podcast. Um, I've also spent a lot of time, um, since I was unemployed for the first time ever, really, um, just during the 2008 downturn, just before I kind of jumped into logistics, I'm really sensitive to how bad that feels, not just financially, but the whole feeling of, God, I just spent the last 25, 28 years doing a lot of great stuff. A lot of people seem to like me. I've done good work. I've got a good resume. And I can't get anyone to even call me back or respond to an email I sent them. So I do spend a little bit of time uh, now helping people in transportation and logistics get jobs, especially um, veterans. I'm, I'm super sensitive to that because it's a difficult transition for some. So it seems like as much as I'd like to be that uh, it'd be, wow, it's the day I cashed this huge check, or it's typically... Uh, feedback. I mean, when somebody says, hey, thanks for helping me get a job or thanks for the introduction to so-and-so, I think we're going to do business. Great article. I love this. I, I, I'm going to take this to my staff meeting. Those are the days. And 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 that's what keeps you going. Because if you didn't get good feedback on blog posts, you just would stop. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that the truth? You know, that, that's the fuel. Uh, I, to me, the same thing goes. You know, th this podcast uh, for me was started. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if anybody would care. I'm going to do it anyway, and we're going to make sure that we, you know, do a, a, a reasonable job at it and get better as we go. Uh, but every time we see a, a review come in where they they say something positive and even unexpected, uh, it's like, wow, I guess I guess this is worthwhile. And so I I know the same thing. You know, on the uh, the blog post, if you get feedback about, yeah, this really helped me, or I was able to see this. 
those actually are, are great victory lap days, and I'm, I'm glad that you uh, recognize those right. and call them out. If I could add something, I always remember the first time I had a blog post and my, my executive coach, Ann, was riding me saying, you've got to get your damn blog. You've committed to this. And then um, the guys at Sun Ant Interactive, we do my website and always have. It's my brother-in-law's company. He's um, oh, he's one of the partners. And um, he say, all right, you got a blog. You got to write something. And so I remember I wrote my grand first article was, five logistics quotes I liked. And they were mostly from military leaders, just as you point out. And it was just kind of cut, paste, cut, paste. And I was, here's five quotes I like. And I posted it and I thought, okay, uh, boy, I'm just waiting for the other foot to drop. People are going to start complaining. People are going to say, this is an original. This sucks. You know, how dare you? I, I was, I, I had in my mind that that would be the feedback. To this day, I get very, very few. I mean, I don't even remember it can't be more than 10 negative comments about articles or anything. And, but I had it in my mind, this idea that, that somebody cared enough to write back something negative. And that's really not the reality of it. And you said, I don't know. You said the same thing. I don't know if anyone's going to listen, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. If you like it, listen. If you don't, don't, don't bother me. Yeah. Yeah. It really, you know, uh, in this world, I have no time for haters anyway. And I, to, to me, I kind of want to be polarizing to the, the, the extent that, you know, some people who uh, find us and like us and, and, and want to participate in the community and, and the feedback loop. Great. And if you don't, that's okay too. Don't waste the calories. Uh, I wouldn't if I were you. Um, and, and I, but I really do. I want awesomers out there listening to pay close attention. There's some action steps you can take in here. One if you, if you have domain expertise, if you're launching a product or brand or a service, whatever the case may be, and you're not taking the opportunity to blog or create content to share some of your knowledge, some of the knowledge that, that the holders of that content, the knowledge, the holders of the knowledge, we take it for granted what we know, right? We're like, yeah, this is pedestrian. Everybody knows this stuff. Uh, it's everyday stuff to us, but it's not to everybody else. And, and other people who don't have that opportunity to you know, have the same experiences or knowledge that we have, they really do value it and they want to see it. And so it really is, as you, you know, kind of illustrated, just do it, just take a step and go, you know, I'm going to do this blog weekly or monthly or daily or whatever you decide, but make the commitment and make it for some period of time is my best advice. You know, I'm going to do this for a year or six months or three months. Yep. Just get into a rhythm and then see how you like it as you go. Uh, do you agree with that general uh, commentary? Yeah, Steve, if I could just tell one quick story. Please. Um, I wanted to do a webinar. I wanted to start engaging people because I, I thought this is a good way to kind of connect with the world. This goes back, oh, probably eight, 10 years ago. So it's my first webinar. I, I'm running this little 3PL, and we we did very good work there. I'm very proud of what we were doing. And I did the uh, webinar, uh, How to Select a 3PL, which is third-party logistics provider. And... Um, I thought to myself, I'm going to play this straight. I'm going to put together 25 slides and I'm going to do this presentation. Did it via go to meeting or whatever it was. And um, 28 people signed up and I was like, wow, okay, that's good. That's a good start. And I was thinking, okay, I, I know not only show up uh, day of the webinar, eight show up and I'm kind of looking at the group and I was like, Ugh, uh, let's see, there's six of those guys are either competitors or two are buddies. Okay, so the two people I don't know potentially are shippers, which was my customer. 
I thought, uh, whatever. I did the I did the webinar. It was very stressful for me. I don't know why. I, I put too much too much into it in my head. I got done with it. I I got done. I went for a walk around uh, the neighborhood around my office, and I thought, oh my god, why did I do? Why did I put myself through this? This is ridiculous. I got back to my desk, checked my email, and it was one of the people in the podcast had, or in the webinar had sent me this very passionate note saying. I hate my 3PL. Here's all the things they've done wrong. I need a new one. Please help me. And, and I thought, well, this is now a sales opportunity, but I'm going to still have to play it straight. And ultimately, we didn't get that business, unfortunately. But I posted this on, on YouTube, and I thought, okay, nothing ever came of this. I, but I did have a cool conversation, few conversations, didn't win the business. About two years later, I get a phone call from one of the logistics or one of the supply chain organizations. And they said, hey, would you come down to Galveston and speak at our association about how to select a 3PL? We don't know how, you know, we get this, I think it's Apex or ISM, I don't remember which, but they said, please come down and speak to our conference. And I was like, well, how do you, why are you picking me? They go, we found you on YouTube. And I thought, okay. So at the time I just kind of checked, I couldn't even find it. So I had the opportunity to go to speak to this, big group down there and what was crazy is mcdonald douglas was in the room and they came and said this is fantastic could you help us um i thought i'm gonna make a sale again i didn't but I, it illustrates a point is that just thing just has legs to this day every once in a while somebody will reach out to me and say can you help us select a 3pl and it. it all comes back to that stressful day where i thought oh my god what have i done to myself but all positive, all positive. So, well, we all have the propensity uh, to suffer from imposter syndrome. Like, who cares what I have to say? You know, nobody's going to want to yep. listen. And then we also like to put extra pressure on ourselves. Like, this better be awesome. You know, and I'm, for example, I dislike the world of hyperbole, permanent hyperbole that we live in. Right? Uh, if you go on, you know, the uh, Facebook or any of these. Uh, websites it's just kind of constant hyperbole if you want to make a million dollars by reading this sentence you know click here and, and opt in and it's just clickbait and just just so spammy and hyperbole everything and the world doesn't really work like that no. you know it's not like click here make a million bucks click there make a million bucks or click here and save half your time it just doesn't work in the world of hyperbole it just works by you know slow and steady wins a race which is not sexy it's not as good as you know, right. the, the, the big fancy headlines, but the reality is that's just how life is. And right. uh, I, I think your story is highly um, on point to that, you know, that that little asset that you made that you didn't really feel great about at the time is still continuing to help establish credibility and build your brand. Fascinating stuff. Thank you. Know. Thank you. Uh, one of my favorite quotes on the, by the way, in logistics and military is from Sun Tzu, where he talked about the line between disorder and order lies in logistics. Have you ever uh, heard of that one? Oh yeah, if you if you type in if you type in logistics quotes, you will find me. Um, oh. and I didn't put it you know like, hey, would you like a logistics quote? I put it in as famous logistics quote. So I think I've probably got thirty or forty logistics quotes from. Patton and uh, Tom Peters, that Sun Tzu. Um, I love them all. I love the one that um, Alexander the Great said. Um, I'm going to botch this, but he said something like, um, oh, I'm, I'm drawing a little bit of blank on it, but basically it's uh, if 
if we if we lose, my logistics guys uh, fret the most because they're going to be killed. Basically, basically, Alexander the Great would kill his logistics guys after he lost. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, okay. So I just I found it, your site. Wow. I wrote an article on that. I'll have to send it to you because <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that it's not exactly enlightened management. No, no. So I'll, I, if I, I just went to Google, I searched uh, logistics uh, quotes. I, your site, not only was it the number one site, but it had the Google auto-suggest, so like the highlighted stuff. <laughs> right. and here's what Alexander Great said, uh, according to your, uh, your quote. My logisticians are a humorless lot. They know if my campaign fails, they're the first ones I will slay. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I botched it pretty good, but... Uh, no, no, your point was right on, but... the. You know, I remember uh, people joking around. You know, hey, the the uh, beatings will con- the beatings will continue until the morale improves, right? Ha ha, that's funny. But uh, Alexander took it to a whole new level, <laughs> right? And one of the things, one of the things I wrote an uh, an article about just that, and um, I think one of my point was always the same: is people really always want to blame logistics when sometimes it's shipped out late. Sometimes there's the, the storms like we've got this week uh, with Florence, and one of the things I've always said is. If you shoot the messenger, he won't tell you the bad news anymore. And and that's one of the things. So often, companies really pound on the logistics guy. So after a while, the guy lies or or obscures the truth, whatever he does. And I always say, nope, I, I'm going to make it easy for him to tell me the truth every single time. I love it. it I have a general policy that I want to know the worst news the fastest. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> because that's just how business really works in real life. You know, that nobody um, will be rewarded by putting it off. You know, this idea of procrastination helping you is uh, insane. So uh, let, let's get on to crystal ball for a minute, Joe, and let's talk about how you see the future of logistics. You know, we live in a world today where, you know, just independent truck drivers can, you know, hop on an app and just pick and find a load, load you know, uh, nearby. And, and of course, that the opposite of that is shippers can just put a load up, uh, you know, uh, onto that app and, and find somebody who's available and and the prices and the the timing and everything just seems to be getting better and better. Uh, are you excited about those types of things? Well, what are the what what's your prediction in the next five years of how this yep. thing's going to go? So, so I see a whole bunch of things that are uh, what I'll call the uh, you know the uh, big trends that are hitting. First is you're going to start to see a lot more uh, sophistication when it comes to marketing, you know, email marketing, content marketing, um, marketing automation. So, and, and, the, and the big guys are already starting to employ that. And I think what that's going to do is it's going to put pressure on the little guys to step up, either get bought or uh, figure that out. So more and more companies are looking that way. Also, there's a lot of guys who kind of in this business are hustlers. I mean that in a very positive sense. Um, they grew very successful businesses by we make 100 phone calls a day and we do a real good job following up. I don't think that's good enough going forward. I think they're going to have to pick some specializations. So if I'm going to be, if, let's just say I'm talking to you, Steve, I don't want to be the guy who does everything. I want to be the guy who works in e-commerce and I have 25 e-commerce companies and here's our best practices. Here's why you should work with us. That's a much more compelling message than, than hey, uh, we do everything for everyone. And I always say, if you do everything for everyone, you most likely are nobody to everyone because nobody wants that. So I think we're going to see a lot more specialization. I think private equity has already been in the market doing a lot of consolidation. 
we have more bigger companies, more sophisticated companies now than we did just 10 years ago. That's going to continue. Um, and I think uh, what I call match.com for freight, those type of applications are coming quick. Um, it is easy now to you know, connect a truck to a, a, a load. And I don't think that's necessarily all the answer right now. I do talk to a lot of those guys. A lot of companies are, you know, finding it's a little harder than that. But the people who are now doing that are, um, you know, who are spending a lot of money, C.H. Robinson, J.B. Hunt, the leaders in that space are are deep in the technology company and in, into technology. So I think big changes are coming. And I think the challenge especially for the middle and the bottom of the market is competing with, you know, with the big guys when it comes to, again, uh, marketing and sales, the technology investments required, uh, and potentially these uh, specializations, and last but not least, the, uh, the consolidation. So big change is coming. And I think from a shipper perspective, it's just getting more positive every day. There's app, apps on phones. We're going to be able to track trucks, we're getting to the point where we can set, track stuff inside of trucks. Um, I think we're going to start to see, in, in, I work a lot in cold chain. Uh, we all want our food on the shelves faster and fresher. I think we're going to start to see some uh, big moves in that also. So very exciting stuff. And again, the, the supply chain that rides on the back of logistics is demanding it. You know, I, I always tell the story at one time, you could be a little manufacturer in the Detroit metro area and you could ship to Ford and to Chrysler and GM. Well, now that part doesn't come from Detroit necessarily. It might come from um, Europe. And that European company might say, yeah, we have some US parts in there and we have some Chinese parts in there. It, it, the supply chain that was required uh, demands more and that's what we're all having to deliver. And guys like you in the e-commerce business are very demanding also. Oh yeah, I'd like to say uh, we can be some of the most demanding because the the consumers are less and less patient, right? We live in the world of Amazon Prime, so they now that's like, hey, if you don't have yep. it here in two days, you suck. You know, that's that's the same on our side for the business to business. Now they say, I hear this once a week in business clients say. Amazon delivered toothpaste to my house in two days. <laughs> so, so I, and I will also say this, the challenge with that B2C is you're shipping to people who are not professional receivers. So yeah, big, big, big demanding markets and they're growing and, and they're growing in um, not only scale, but also in what they expect. I love it. I do think those are predictions are pretty well-formed and uh, high reliance on those. I definitely agree that you know, the, the adoption of technology and the application of various technologies are, is accelerating and, and fun, but the niching in particular is so important. You know, there's, uh, I've had experience with all kinds of different supply chains and logistics uh, processes. And, you know, what works for a, an Amazon seller is very different than, you know, what would work for, as you talked about, the cold pack operations or, you know, somebody shipping into Walmart, you know, truckloads and truckloads. It's just everything's different and it should be, you know, properly applied. You know, the solution should be properly applied uh, to the problem. And I think sometimes people forget that. Yep. I'm interviewing tomorrow on my podcast a guy who uh, buys and sells uh, transportation and logistics companies. and. Uh, and in the podcast, uh, we've kind of played around with the ideas already. And one of the things I suggested is 
tell us what somebody should do to get ready to sell because you don't want to start the day you want to sell the business. You want to start years before. What, what is a good buyer looking for? And he said, what he goes, my big push is always specialization. And that's one message I have for all my customers that I'm working with is you as an individual should specialize. And then whatever company you're working for, ideally you specialize in something that they do. So if you say, uh, I work for a company that has a whole bunch of reefer vans, then you might want to specialize in supply chain food if you want to be there long term. And be the guy who says, look, not only am I a flat out expert, you want to work with me, but also I work with one of the experts in the field. And I think that, that and that's a challenge for the companies also is, is getting a little, being able to share the spotlight with some guys who might be stars within your business. Well, I quite agree. And just for the audience listening at home, uh, reefer vans, in this case, refer to refrigeration units uh, versus the other kind of reefer, which uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they have plenty of those kind of vans here, too. I think we're going to have a lot of for those other vans coming up very soon. <laughs> big demand, big demand happening for sure. Uh, Joe Lynch, it's been a great pleasure having you on today. Any final words of wisdom for the audience uh, you may care to leave today? Uh, no, Steve, uh, this this has been great. I really do appreciate this opportunity. The one, the one thing that I will say I've enjoyed about my podcast and also being on yours, this is the first podcast I've been on besides my own, is um, I think the opportunity to kind of bring... Um, bring my story to, to, to an, a different audience. I'm not, I'm not some uh, uh, famous uh, Mark Cuban type. I'm just a guy kind of plotting away, trying to make a business work. So it's a cool thing that you could bring my story. And uh, I like to think I'm doing the same with my, my podcast. No doubt you are. I, I like what you're doing. Um, and this is a classic awesomer story, right? You, you have this specialty. It's, high, it's in high demand. It's highly relevant to today's world and entrepreneurs and e-commerce people in particular, um, but across the board. And, and that's really what we like to do on Awesomers is we find people who are making a difference. They're breaking that paradigm of normal, and you're certainly among that. So thank you for joining us again. Uh, and Awesomers uh, out there listening, wherever you are, uh, we'll be right back after this. Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Ah, Joe, such a fun guy to hang out with. And I sure do appreciate his level of expertise. You know, the, the concept, a lot of us don't really think about logistics in our everyday environment, but if you do anything with import-export, if you have your own brand, your own private label, however you wish to refer to it, you're moving product from point A to point B. Every e-commerce company has logistical concerns and, and, and has needs and capabilities that are required. And that includes the things that, like Joe and I discussed, 3P logistics centers, transportation, and so on and so forth. And so having an expert come on here and, and talk to us about it, especially using the automotive space, which is extraordinarily complex. You know, it's not just the, you know, the Ford factory shipping the Ford pickup truck to the local dealer. And it's not just getting those parts to the Ford manufacturing uh, plant for assembly. It's every part of that downstream supply chain, right? Every individual piece of, 
of component that goes into a truck may have five or ten or even a hundred other subcomponents. So you're literally talking about thousands, probably tens of thousands, and possibly even hundreds of thousands of parts for the automotive industry to put one single car together. And just imagine how many moving pieces that is. So a really great background and experience with the engineering and the logistic background that, that Joe has. And I hope you guys took something away from some of the lessons, you know, not just, uh, you know, the inspiration that Joe's story can lend us, but also the idea that, you know, we need to pay close attention to how we are thinking about logistics, how we're considering that, you know, our supply chain relies on that backbone of logistics to move the product from point A to point B. And think about it in a more creative way, because it is a dynamic and fun, ex uh, changing world. Uh, and all of those technology pieces can be something that give you an unfair advantage. So I'm, I'm thrilled that you joined us today. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, this has been episode number 62 of the Awesomers.com podcast series. And all you have to do is go to Awesomers.com slash 62 to find all the show notes and details about today's episode. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you can even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at Awesomers.com. Thank you again. Awesomers.com